Allison. Our reading this morning is taken from Genesis chapter 18, beginning at verse 16. And you'll find that on page 17 of the Church Bible. When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham? What am I about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about Abraham for what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous that I will go down and see what, if they have done as as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are fifty righteous people in the city? Will you sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the fifty righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you, will not the judge of all the earth do right? The Lord said, if I find fifty righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of righteous is five less than fifty? Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five people? If I find forty-five there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again he spoke to him, what if only forty are found there? He said, for the sake of forty, I will not do it. Then he said, May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only thirty can be found there? He answered, I will not do it if I find thirty there. Abraham said that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord. What if only twenty can be found? He said, For the sake of twenty, I will not destroy it. Then he said, May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only ten can be found there? He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left, and Abraham returned home. This is the word of the Lord. Matthew's now going to come and share some reflections with us, and before he does, I'll pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Matthew. I thank you for his passion and enthusiasm for your word. And I ask now that you will open all of our hearts and minds and ears to hear you through the reflections that Matthew brings to us. Amen. Amen. 
So we're in a season, uh, series rather, uh, where we're looking at powerful um, prayers and we're considering what we can learn from the people of the Bible and what they um, and how they prayed and how we might learn from the way that they prayed as well. We had a Leaders Away Day um, a week yesterday and at the start of that day we gathered in worship and we used an ancient technique called Lectio Divina or Divine Reading. It's a meditative, prayerful, reflective reading of the scriptures uh, and, and it's something that you can find a lot of information on online. You might want to use it in your own uh, prayer lives. But I wonder what leapt out at you um, when we heard the passage from Genesis read to us today? What actually, uh, what words, what verses came at you and spoke into your lives as Alison read uh, the scriptures to us this morning? It's worth just giving you a few moments to reflect on that. We don't have time this morning to read through that passage several times. But we find ourselves in a series of chapters where we discover the call and purpose of Abraham's life. Abraham is, is a faithful man, he's a righteous man, and God blesses and honours Abraham's faithfulness and his righteousness. But the passage today is almost quite surreal. It occurs in this block of chapters where we find out about Abraham and it almost um, feels like a marketplace conversation where Abraham bargains with God saying, if 50 people who are righteous are found in Sodom, will you spare all the people? And then if 45 people, and then if 40, 30, 20, 10 are righteous people are found in Sodom, Will you spare them? And there's this process going on which sounds a bit like a bargaining process. Come on, Lord, if you find this many people, won't you, won't you spare them? And before we get fully stuck into the passage this morning, I want to pull out for us a foundational truth. And it's revealed in verses 17 to 19, which are on the screen or in your Bibles. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Just occurs to me to go off on a slight tangent that this is why we're so passionate about Grow as a ministry, because the Lord is saying to Abraham that he is to direct his children and his household in the way of the Lord. And that's the driving goal of Grow, that we equip you as parents or people involved in parenting to disciple children. That's a tangent. And the foundational truth that this passage teaches us about prayer is the question, does Abraham change the mind of God in these verses? In Abraham's repeated petitions that if um, God finds 50, 45 and so on, righteous people in Sodom, won't he spare the city its destruction? Well, if you want a clue, check out the verses on the screen, one from the Psalms, as for God, his way is perfect. 
The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. And then the prophet Isaiah, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God, in revealing in verses 20 and 21, his plan for the destruction of Sodom to Abraham, is not inviting a second opinion, but is declaring his intent. Abraham, in praying for Sodom, is not changing God's mind, and why would he seek to do that as a faithful and righteous man of God? Why would we seek to try and change the Lord's mind when his word, his thoughts, and his actions are perfect and good for us? What God gets to do when Abraham comes to him in prayer, is to make Abraham aware of how merciful God is. So all the time, as Abraham prays for Sodom to be spared of fewer and fewer righteous people, the Lord reveals his loving mercy consistently, telling Abraham, if 50, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10 righteous people are found in Sodom, then I will spare them. Time and time again, God takes the opportunity to renew Abraham's mind so that Abraham more fully recognises the loving mercy of God. Chris Duffett shared with us last week that prayer is not for our benefit, sorry, is not for God's benefit, but for ours. I'm going to have to say that again because I've misled you now. Prayer is not for God's benefit, but for ours. That's what Chris said. So the foundational truth at the start of our exploration of this passage, is this, that prayer is that space where God reveals himself to us and renews our heart and our mind. What Abraham is doing throughout this passage is priesting. And I don't use the word priesting in the sense that Anglicans or Roman Catholics or other denominations might use the word, but I use the word priesting in the sense of laboring in prayer, interceding for God's people. Abraham is priesting before God on behalf of a city. And here's the first point that we can learn from Abraham's prayer. Prayer takes us beyond ourselves. Abraham could have been forgiven for concentrating his prayers on his own concerns and circumstances. The scriptures tell us that Abraham's nephew Lot was living in Sodom. And he would have been quite, you know, we would have understood if um, uh, Abraham's concern was only for Lot and his family. Though, you know, we all have families in one shape or another. We'd understand that, wouldn't we? That if our family was facing destruction, we'd want to intercede specifically for them. There's nothing wrong with that. But in this passage, Abraham shows us that there's a bigger picture, that he pleads for the whole people of Sodom, that they might be spared. And there's something within this about us as Christians being called to intercede for places where conflict and destruction reigns. And in the 930 service, we were praying intentionally for the situation in Syria and specifically Aleppo. 
And if you don't believe that the kind of destruction that we think about when we turn to biblical stories like Sodom and Gomorrah happens in our time, then, then watch the news and see the destruction of entire communities that happens around the world as we gather to worship. We need to be a people who look beyond ourselves in our prayers and intercede, priest for Syria, priest for communities affected by Hurricane Matthew. Sticking with verse 22, we're taught the value of spending time alone with God. The other two companions who had been with God went on towards Sodom, but Abraham remained with the Lord. We're going to pray together tonight, and I encourage you to come along and to join in praying for our church and our community. That is one of our tasks as church. But there's no, there's no substitute for the time we spend like Abraham standing before the Lord, um, interceding for people and situations and bringing our concerns before him. And in verse 22, we see Abraham living this out. If prayer is the space where God can reveal himself to us and renew our hearts and minds then we need that time alone with the Lord where we can be open about the state of our lives and the concerns of our hearts in a way which can only happen between us and the Lord. And so prayer also becomes the space where we can be vulnerable and open. And I want to speak to people who might not know Jesus here this morning. If, if you don't profess to be a Christian or even if you've been asking big questions of God for a long time, the, the invitation to encounter Jesus Christ in prayer is just as open to you as it is to those who've been walking with the Lord for a long time. And in that place of encounter, God will reveal himself and his love and his mercy to you. And if you want to discover the reality of God, dare to pray. Um, I, I, as I, I can see the Thompsons and, and I'm thinking of their house group where I happen to know you keep a prayer journal. And, and I know that you find, as a house group, encouragement from looking back through prayers written down and seeing God's answer and response to pray. If you don't know Jesus this morning, if you're asking questions about how the Lord might answer your prayers, then dive in and pray. Write it down, journal, and see if you discover in the days and weeks to come God responding to your prayers. Prayer requires us to be persistent. Let's stick with verse 22 and Abraham standing before the Lord. In this place of encounter, Abraham doesn't pray once or twice, but keeps coming back to the Lord. In fact, he's almost anxious about it in the end, saying, Lord, I don't want to make you angry, but I feel I have to pray for these people. Abraham shows us that prayer requires persistence. And if we turn to the New Testament letters, if we were to turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, we'd find Paul telling the church in Ephesus, we constantly pray for you. That was a commitment of Paul as a church leader to the church plants that were springing up across Asia and Europe and so on, that, 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 that Paul would constantly pray, intercede, priest for the churches that he had been involved in planting or encouraging and again, I say, because it's difficult to pray 
every week, pray every day in a culture of the immediate, the instant, and the now. We might need to to do things like pray, pray into our journals, like watch the answers to prayer that God brings, because we live in an instant age. I was, I was ordering something online the other day from Argus, and I discovered that actually I could have a delivery that same afternoon, and that amazed me. Um, but we live in the Google generation where if we want information, it's immediately accessible to us on all manner of devices. And so to persist in something, to be disciplined in an approach to prayer, is actually quite difficult. One second. <coughs> Thank you. So prayer calls us to be persistent. Next, prayer reveals the true God. And I think this is a vital point that the passage this morning teaches us about prayer. Without prayer, without us bringing our lives before God in that place of encounter that we see as in Abraham, we, we form God in our own image. We run the risk of manufacturing God um, according to our own needs and preferences. So we don't want to think of a God who judges because we don't like to be judged as to our actions and our thoughts and our words. But in this scripture this morning, God makes clear, the Lord makes clear that he is judging Sodom. And if we were to turn to the prophet Ezekiel and chapter 16, we'd find these stark words. Now this was the sin of Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant overfed and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. Now that's a stark, stark judgment on the people of Sodom, that they were arrogant, overfed and unconcerned. If someone spoke that over my life, or if I heard someone speaking it over yours, I would be concerned. But without judgment, we can't know the Lord's mercy. God had to judge Sodom because we're told that their actions were so grievous that judgment was required. And we believe that God's justice is perfect. But we also believe that the Lord is merciful. And so Abraham pleads for um, the uh, mercy of God over the people of Sodom. Judgment and mercy go hand in hand. The scripture tells us in Psalm 85, mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. And we see this most poignantly in the cross of Jesus. In the cross of Jesus, we see both God's judgment on the sin and brokenness of the world. And we hold that as a reality, that the world is a broken place. We can't look on unconcerned at the situation in Syria or at the effects of the hurricanes or at the poverty of people in our nation and around the world and say that all is well with the world. So the cross is a judgment on the brokenness and sin of the world. But it's also a place where God's mercy is most poignantly shown, where judgment comes but mercy is extended to all. And so we learn from today's chapter that prayer is the place where we know that we are forgiven. Abraham was priesting for Sodom. Abraham was calling on the just God to have mercy on the people there. Jesus on the cross priested for you 
and I so that we can know the mercy of God. Prayer is then that place where God reveals himself to us that though we have been rightly judged for our wrongdoing, because of Jesus, that sin is forgiven. And so today, through Abraham's words, we learn that in coming into that place of encounter with the Father, we discover the reality of who God is. We experience a revelation of the identity and character of God. We discover that we are a forgiven people, that though we get it wrong, that God is merciful and extends mercy towards us. And we discover that as that forgiven people who know the reality of God, we are called to intercede for others so that they may become part of God's big story and that they may know that God is at work in their lives. And so please take this away with you because these aren't just empty talks. Chris, myself, Nigel next week, I think Becky's preaching the week after, all desire that through looking at these words of Scripture, through looking at these big, bold prayers, we might actually come to know and come to have our prayer lives enriched, that we might stand with Abraham in that place of encounter where God can change our hearts and our minds to his glory. Let's pray together. Abraham stood before the Lord, so let's keep a few moments of silence as we bring ourselves standing before the Lord. If this is your first time doing anything like this, then just know that Jesus loves you, that there is no fear in coming before him. Father, here in this time, here in this place, reveal yourself to people afresh. To those who have been walking with you for years, I pray that you would revitalize and renew their lives of prayer with you. And for those who don't know you, would you reveal the depth of your love and the depth of your forgiveness to them afresh this morning. Would you, would you reveal the true identity of the loving Lord this morning? Come, Lord Jesus, and do your work in this place this morning. For we ask it in your precious name. Amen. And if at the end of the service you, you want someone to, to stand with you in prayer or anything has spoken into your lives, then please do come and grab myself or, or someone else down here at the front and we'd love to pray with you. But we're going to spend a bit of time worshipping God, standing in that place of encounter.